Welcome to the Nerdoplexy Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. I am an incredibly sensitive man who inspires joy-joy feelings in all those around me. And also, helping us out on this episode, we've got Dave. Mellow greetings, sir. What seems to be your bottle? So sit back, relax, and grab your cybersex wireless helmets as we dive into Demolition Man. If they if they do that while they're listening to the podcast, what happens? Am I going to have to start making the faces? You'd have to wear be wearing the opposite helmet. It's like a CTV system. It's only one to one. Oh, I see. I you see. Got to be paired first. So should we be sharing our PO box now? <laughs> In case you want to send a gift to the podcast, aka the other half of your virtual <laughs> sex machine. Although these basically exist. Yeah, they have those nowadays, which is they require some manipulation. Heartwarming and also alarming. I love the idea of that, but also the implications are pretty shocking. The idea that it could be hacked is also shocking. Released October 8, 1993. Demolition Man was directed by Marco. Oh, shit. I smudged I, his name. Polo. <laughs> found you. Or you found me. I guess that's how that game Fish works. Fish out of water. Is it Marco Rubio? <laughs> No, it's Marco so. Brambila. He's a uh, music video director, a commercial director. This is his first big break. That's really impressive, actually. Yeah, I guess one of the producers had him pegged, lined up, and uh, and directing Sylvester Sloan and Wesley Snipes. Pretty wild. Sandra Bullock and Dennis Leary also. This is first appearance. This is the first big movie for both of them, certainly. Dennis Leary's just doing stand-up at this point, stealing Bill Hicks jokes. They wanted to incorporate his shtick into it. As you can see, he gets two and a half minutes a little bit later in the end, like the third act there. I wonder if Bill Hicks went to see this in theaters. I don't think so. Was he dead by then? <laughs> no, he wasn't. I don't think so. He lived until 94. Oh. <laughs> well, this is the last thing he saw. This is what killed him. Yeah, he went there. He said, it could have been me up on that stage. <laughs> well, speaking of other casting choices, this one went through a couple different casting iterations. Originally... This was set up to be a Seagal Van Damme vehicle. Now, that would have been good. I think it still would have been good. I would have liked to see it. Van Damme was slated to play the villain, but that's what caused the problem. He asked if he could play the good guy, and neither he nor Seagal wanted to be the bad guy. So they said no. The guy that Sylvester Stallone wanted to be Phoenix, which is kind of shocking to me, was Jackie Chan. Has Jackie Chan ever been a bad guy? Well, no. Not really. I don't think so, because that's why he didn't want to be a bad guy. That would be so against type for Jackie Chan. I don't know how he would do it. I would still watch it. But I guess in China, actors are more similar to like WWE guys. So he was a face and it would be totally apocryphal for him to be a heel. So he had to turn it down. But uh, he did get a call out a little bit later from Sandra Bullock. They love 90s references. I love the Schwarzenegger call out that came later. Two things that they got kind of close in their predictions of the future, and that would be Schwarzenegger president. I think that's close enough. Mm -hmm. And the three seashells. The three seashells, yes. And that Radio Shack is closed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and that Pizza Hut survived the franchise wars. Uh, for our purposes, we saw the Pizza Hut cut, but this is the bootleg. Yeah, the Taco Bell is the original. Oh. Dinner and dancing at Taco Bell. I mean, hey, I like Mexican food, but come on. Your tone is quasi-facetious, but you do not realize that Taco Bell was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Taco Bell. No way. Welcome to Taco Bell. We got a hand of the Italian cut, which has... Pizza Hut for Europe because they don't have Taco Bell over there. We got a naughty version. Dinner and dance in a Pizza Hut? I mean, hey, I like a big fat piece of pizza, but come on. Your tone is quasi facetious, but you do not realize that Pizza Hut was the only restaurant to survive the franchise wars. So? So? Now all restaurants are Pizza Hut. No way. Welcome to Pizza Hut. <laughs> I made sure. I meant to say Taco Bell's. The... It was perfectly curated. <laughs> Yeah, so that uh, yeah, with the Taco Bell stuff, this is a real '90s. Honestly, I feel like this might come into a renaissance now because people are so hyphy on the '90s. So now, this is about as '90s an action movie as they get. Is this the last Gooden? The worse their future guesses are, like to what the futuristic world will be, the more '90s it became. It was that's the most it, retro... 90s view of the future that you probably could have ever seen. Retrofuturism, that's called. You could see the things that the 90s world was scared of. Before we get too far into it, I just want to say this movie, there's a time jump. You guys know that there's a big time jump. Only 40 years. Why did they only do 40 years? That seems ridiculous. It was only 40 years. That's one problem. The other problem is the very beginning of the movie is set in 96 and there's cryo freeze prisons. So why wouldn't they start the movie in 2000 if they're filming in 93? They only gave them three years to come up with this cryo freeze process. Yeah, they messed up the timeline a lot. That's like if I was like, oh, the future of 2024. Like, that's not that far in the future. Not far enough. It's not going to be that different in 2024 than it is right now i was shocked to find out that it only i believe it's 36 years had elapsed because in my memory it was like 100 years or 200 years yeah same the idea that people from the original timeline that john spartan sylvester stallone comes from are still alive is buck wild and still working it's insane they're still alive and the people they work with are talking about toilet paper and like laughing like it can't be that much of a distant memory. And they don't even know what 187 is. <laughs> and they're cops. Yeah, that's nuts. For the average citizen, it'd be weird, but they're literally cops. That's their whole job. I could say like, oh, I forgot what the jaywalking one is because I never write those up. But you know what the worst thing is that can happen. And Sandra Bullock's character is like addicted to the 20th century. She would have definitely known. Because it's one make seven on an undercover car. There's no way... It's a future world where there was a huge catastrophe in 2010. And basically, it seems like society was reset because of the big one. That being said, I don't know that you forget Samuel L. Jackson's role in the film 187. Exactly. Wiggle your phalanges. The phalanges! Phalanges! Everybody wiggle your phalanges, please. There's no way where English is still being spoken and Taco Bell still exists. There's no chance that anyone could forget a Sam Jack performance. They've obviously squashed all of the movies that happened before that time. But she has a Lethal Weapon poster. There's murder in Lethal Weapon. (laughs) So much murder. And they never would call it murder, death, kill, let alone a million times. MDK. 
Murder, death, kill, murder, death, kill, murder, death, kill, murder, death, kill. They also don't call things joy joy now, but they for 40 years, maybe that's what their slang is. Yeah, I'll give I'll give that like that kind of slang because that slang doesn't enter into police code. That's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. All right. Well, let's launch into this thing. There's not a whole lot of plot points to uncover. It's Demolition Man. Two men from the long ago time of 40 years ago are frozen and then awoken in the future. We have 15 years to forget about toilet paper. Actually, mm-hmm. we, you know, we're pretty close to that. Toilet paper was almost a <laughs> thing of the past. People were almost looking for three seashells. 15 years to come up with a couple other things. Well, we're halfway there. One of the seashells has already been established, and it's probably guessing at some sort of bidet function. Because there's not too much form, I think anybody who's seen this movie knows about the three seashells. So before I forget, my theory on what the three seashells are, you clean your fingernails with your other fingernails sometimes, yes? You know, you get a little dirt under a fingernail and you use the other fingernail to clean out. Oh, I don't like where this is going. So I'm assuming the first seashell is a scoop. Okay. Okay. The second seashell is a slightly smaller seashell that scoops the scoop. Wow. Into the toilet. Third seashell, I got no guess. It's just to check. Make sure you're clean. I guess, yeah, you got to have two. This is a horrifying possibility that I never really considered. The future is bad. And I heard it the first time today when I was looking into this movie. And Sylvester Stallone basically said his thoughts on what the seashells meant. And for him, it was kind of like a chopstick situation. And then one to scrape a clean. Okay. I never once considered before hearing that, that those seashells are anything but fucking buttons. I just thought they were real seashells. No, yeah, you picked those bad boys up. No way, no way. The scene in the bathroom when they show them, they're just like sitting there. I think you press them and then water sprays your butt, water dries your butt. I don't know. Well, this is up for debate and we're going to think on it and maybe you guys can change my mind. Maybe the thing that they sit on is the thing that sprays water on the seashells themselves. You'd think they would cut out the middleman. I think the seashells are symbolic. Because bidets already existed. I don't know. I found an infographic for it that I'm going to share in the chat now. (laughs) I will say, though, the real story is from the screenwriter. He called his friend on the phone because he wanted to have a a funny gag. And his friend was actually in the bathroom. And he said, oh, I've got a bag of decorative seashells behind my toilet. What about that? And the guy said, oh, yeah, okay, three seashells. It's meant to be obtuse. I don't understand in the infographic, they're flushing the seashells. I don't know what to tell you there. Maybe they just get washed off with the water going around it. Oh boy, this is, this is really challenging. So then you have to dig them back out of the toilet? We're going to have to tweet this (laughs) along with the episode so you can also see this in the (laughs) fucking show notes. It's already in my automatic tweet. It seems to be using the Stallone method here of the pinch and grab and then clean scoop. But no, that's a nightmare and I'm going to pretend that, um... No, it's just buttons. They're buttons. That's what I'm saying. They are three bidet-style buttons. Maybe one has a little robot hand that comes in. Wait, hang on. Wipes it clean. Maybe he uses a seashell to to do that. Maybe it's a coffee filter situation. So anyway, the movie starts. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because they always say, people who are born in the 19th century, you know, you're born on the farm, and that the radio was invented, and then someone landed on the moon. That's an amazing course of events for a human to experience. But to be born into a world with regular toilets and then to have the world transition to a system of seashell 
if this infographic is to be believed, scoop and scrape technique. What a life that individual would have lived. <laughs> but think of the paper waste. I get it. But also, mm, they're buttons. Okay. L.A. is burning. It's 1996. You're in future L.A. This is the L.A. of Escape from New York slash L.A. This is Snake Plissken's L.A. It's war-torn. Simon Phoenix, our villain here, has kidnapped, was it, 27 bus passengers and has imprisoned them in his compound, his, his sovereign state, if you will. He's created a sovereign state in South Central. But no one dares go in except for John Spartan and his famous catchphrase. Send a maniac to catch one. I guess. So there's nowhere to land a plane, so he has to bungee in. And in a I love you Bernie style bungee, he screams, Phoenix! Phoenix! (laughs) Comes down. Is that what he says? I thought he screamed freedom. That's what I thought he said too, but Phoenix makes more sense. He screams (laughs) Phoenix. Definitely does. And he comes in like a wrecking ball on the end of that bungee. Did they kill a man here? Did a human man die here? Because I think so. If someone strapped them in this way with a regular rope, I believe they would die. This is maybe the best opening scene for getting the vibe of your main characters. I understood exactly who Phoenix was and who Spartan was instantly in this movie. This was a great intro. Stallone around every corner just be cold cocking people, knocking them out. And uh, he finally corners Simon Phoenix. Gotta say, love Wesley Snipes' pants game. His pants are on point. His outfits are all fantastic in this. He's wearing like Beetlejuice pants with like a Joker gang jacket. Incredible. And funny you should say that, but Spartan is grilling him, trying to find out where the hostages are, and he's like, Where are the passengers? Ah, uh, yes, the passengers. But there are... Fuck you! The passengers are gone! And they have this very, like, Batman-Joker dynamic. They do. I was thinking of the Joker this whole time. And I'd be very surprised if that wasn't, like, a heavy influence. I think so, if not subconsciously. At least. And also, I don't need to tell anybody that you need only look at the DVD cover to say that there's palpable sexual tension between the two of them. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were into each and other. And it's wonderful. I think it's just a celebration, which brings me to my parody porner, which would either be called Exhibition Man. Yeah. Or he's just bottomless. You know, Spartan. He's a Spartan. You know, the, that Spartan, yeah, he's Spartan look. And, uh, and Simon Penix. And, um, oh, very good. That's a nice touch. (laughs) Could possibly also be Submission Man. Just depends on the vibe of the particular programming, if that makes any sense. Hear me out. I appreciate that, but are you willing to hear some notes? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the table read. I think you might be missing the bigger picture here. You're swapping words, and I think we just need to add one word, and that word being anal. anal. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, we all were there. I just didn't want to say it. There's also Domination Man, if you are going to just replace a word. Domination Man is just a much better kind of vibe, but you know what? Anal Domination Man's going to, that's really going to push some VHSs. It's going to go real smooth. <laughs> that's that's going to sell. We're going to move some smut here. <laughs> we're going to move some breakaway striped pants. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we're also going to move to a ton of fucking gasoline if this. Why does he have that much gasoline? I mean, except that this is the plan all along. Somehow. Here's my thing. This man is a loon because even before Spartan comes in, he's already smoking. He's bumping rails and smoking cigarettes in her room. Absolutely stuffed to the gills with gasoline. Barrels that all are poked holes in dumping everywhere. It's a good vibe. 
They have a fight, and then the building blows up. John Spartan, he carries him lovingly from the building. He puts him over his shoulder. <laughs> to the tune of I Will Always Love You. <laughs> the firemen carry. John carries Phoenix out. He runs away. The whole building does a big explode. And this was an actual explosion and demolition of the building. But they just added a bunch of gasoline to the regular demolition to make the big flames. This and Dark Knight are probably the two biggest detonations used for movie dumb. If you know any bigger ones between them, hit us up at NerdPlexipod on Twitter. Prove me wrong. There's a great moment when the chief comes and tells him he's... Damn it, John, I'm tired of this demolition man shit. And I was hoping against hope that that was the only time they say Demolition Man in the whole movie, but they do say it again, that that's what he was known as. And I don't really understand why he was known as that. He couldn't have done this many times. They go through the tapes of his old newsreels. How can you justify destroying a $7 million mini-mall to rescue a girl whose ransom was only $25,000? Fuck you, lady! Good answer. Yeah, that was a good video. <laughs> oh, and he swear you guys are getting the fine. You're getting fined. Oh, one credit. Yeah, anytime you swear, you're going to get fined a credit. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Well, luckily, you guys are going to be all Fuck. beeped, so you, you won't have to pay anything. It'll just, it'll just be on me. Hopefully, Sam can uh, hook us up after the fact with maybe some fan edits of this one. Because apparently, this one was is a two-hour movie already, and it was longer than that. There was a ton of content involving Spartan's daughter. And I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that girl at the beginning is his daughter. And then there's a scene later where he, in the the scrapper's lair, where he's protecting a woman that is his grown-up daughter. Well, here's the unfortunate thing about cutting that out, because it makes me think that Sandra Bullock is definitely his daughter, because they mention it for seemingly no reason. And there's only, like, one woman in the whole movie. Oh. And I'm, and I'm thinking that. That's a tough thing to think in that movie. She would know who he is, if that's her dad. Maybe. She was obviously born after he was been frozen, for sure. I don't know how young she was. He made a promise to her. Doesn't mean you can make a promise to a baby. Oh, that's true, but that's what I'm saying. She would have known. She'd be 36. That could be his daughter. Just because they cut it out and <laughs> mention it for no reason. I'm not saying that it is, but I'm right. saying that it makes you think that. Your parody partner is getting worse and worse. No, this isn't a parody, unfortunately. This is a part of the real thing, in my opinion. Whenever you do poor editing, it makes people think a certain thing, and that's, that can't be good. <laughs> so we come to find out after the explosion that those 30 or so hostages aren't somewhere else. They are on premises, and they were blown up as well during this thing. Although, Spartan says he did a thermo check, and there was only eight people. As if it was, like, the coolest thing ever that he only killed eight people or it was only a party to the deaths of eight men. <laughs> he was super proud to only murder eight. Well, even still, he checked one time as they, like, flew in from the helicopter and dropped him <laughs> off. He was like, I looked, boss. I checked. It, it, was, it was fine. By the end, you do realize he was right. But you would think, after being framed, and all of this is before the title card, and you get the title card as he's about to be cryogenically frozen, and that's how he gets to the future. But seemingly skipping, and maybe we just have to suspend the disbelief that it already happened, a trial? Discovery? I thought there was a trial. I thought I remember a, a trial scene, but maybe that's Judge Dredd, because Rob Schneider is also... Or Tango and Cash definitely has one. It's a similar setup, Yeah. Yeah, right. He's framed and yeah, whatever. But the fact is, you think any level of discovery would use his thermo reading. We learn later that because it was like 27 counts of manslaughter or something. First of all, 
no one would ever commit a decorated cop, even if he was a demolition man. Never. Also, if they did any kind of autopsy, they would know that they were already fucking dead. That's easy. You are fine. One credit for even in 96, they would have known they were dead before they got burned up. Also, I don't like that detail. I don't love it. I think it would be better if they were actually in the basement and his arrogance. And he missed it. Yeah. Because there's no character arc for John Spartan. Nothing changes. He is this badass, reckless demolition man. And then they freeze him and that becomes an asset. He doesn't change. He doesn't think of anybody other than himself. He just does a demolition. He blows up the building at the end and kills every person in the cryogenic prison. Well, he doesn't directly, but they all die. And he's like, oh, fuck it. Yeah, and he gets the same exact sentence as the, actually a worse sentence than Wesley Snipes. Who was a drug lord warlord who brought those hostages there before the place blew up that he clearly is the one who blew up in the first place. I mean, it's, it's his bad. It's always still his bad. How is he ever up for parole? He's up for parole 34 years before John Spartan's 70 year thing. That is due to greater plot manipulations, as it were. Right. Phoenix gets paroled and he does get out and he does know the secret word for the voice activated handcuffs. What? Why would you ever need your voice activated handcuffs? Yep. Teddy bear. The future is dumb. Which is also something they got right. Tablets and Alexa and things like that are prevalent and it is eerily similar to the interaction. Self-driving cars. That people have asking Alexa how to do like normal things that you probably shouldn't need to ask Alexa for. In the beginning, I'm like, oh, this future is really cool. And then like halfway down, I'm like, oh, wait, this future is idiocracy. They woke up in L.A. idiocracy. My question is, how do you do parole also? Like what for good good behavior? behavior? It's lack of behavior of any kind. I guess maybe they pull them out to check and see if the reprogramming is working. Maybe that's what it is. But if it's not working, isn't that a fault of the system? (laughs) Because they're all being reprogrammed. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess here because there's lots to be done. We do see, before we do skip past it, I feel like we'd be doing our listeners a disservice to not mention the fact that during the freezing process, you do get a glimpse of Sylvester Stallone's hog. Yeah. His balls, butt, and back. His goopy hog. You get to see the whole kit and caboodle here, guys. So if that's something you're looking for, Mr. Skin Style, I didn't pause it at just the right spot, so I can't say for certain. <laughs> yeah, it's all on display. I regrettably had just finished turning my version up to like the highest HD level, and it finally like buffered in, <laughs> and then he's naked in yeah, the tub. Yeah, there's a 3D. <laughs> I did like the fact that when they were filling up the tank, it was weird abyss-style goop as opposed to water. I mm-hmm. thought that was a pretty cool detail. And Sylvester Stallone said that day of filming was the worst day of his life and the scariest thing he's ever done. Being in that little tank, being slowly filled up with goop. It didn't look like he was pretending to drown all that much. It seemed pretty spooky. I couldn't have done it. Nice touch as well is the guy who puts them in the goop is the guy who sees Wesley Snipes out of it. So you get to see him like as a young man, young warden, and he's an old man. <laughs> it's a good it little thing. It is a good gag, but it also just makes... The whole world, because from that point on, I'm like, this hasn't been long enough. That guy was still there. He was doing all the things. He was still an assistant warden 30 years ago. 
And that's what he and is now. It's not beyond the pale that society can go through this kind of transformation. I think it's perfectly likely, especially with the language, like the joy, joy and all that. I'll buy all that. 40 years, that's not a lot. I basically just speak in memes and TikTok sounds now. So, I mean, sheesh. I mean, I yeet out slang all the time. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I don't do that. I'm very old. <laughs> no one was fooled. <laughs> I can't back that up. I've never yeeted once. How does one yeet? Oh, boy. If you have to you ask, something. then you, you've I never believe. done it. You've never known. I believe it's just the, th- <laughs> it's just the throwing of a, of a thing. But you have to say yeet when you do it. That's part of it. It's like a Kobe. I'll tell you who knows how to yeet. Simon Phoenix knows how to, fucking how to yeet because he yeets a couple of these boys in quite spectacular oh, fashion. Sure. He kills all of them. More deleted scenes here of the more brutal killings. Apparently, he did a murder... In the parking lot, that was pretty graphic. They had a cut out. And also, you apparently at some point saw him cut out the assistant warden's eye with a fountain pen. But the assistant warden does have a pretty good iPad. He's got a little silver bordered, but before his untimely murder, he did communicate with Lena Huxley in the future. That was the first person we saw as a Sandra Bullock. Yes. And she's so bored of not beating people up. Yes, what I wouldn't give for some action. <laughs> Does the tedium continue? Don't you wish a murder would happen? Yeah. yeah so you wish it was back in the old, you know, where everything was bullshit. And I used to kill people constantly. There was graffiti and she was like, why didn't we send every cop car we had? Like, yeah, well, Lena Huxley named <laughs> after or for Aldous Huxley Brave New World which actually gets a name dropped by Simon Phoenix a little bit later. But she is a cop who's dying for some action and also a uh, 20th century weeb, I guess. <laughs> Wait, what do they call that? Oh, she's a, a 20th century otaku. Let's talk about some weeb shit. Just a devotee. Yes, yes. She loves that stinky stuff. She was like, notice me, Spartan. But yeah, Phoenix got out. He did a couple of MDKs, a couple of murder death kills, and we get the impression that someone else is pulling the strings behind his escape. The suspense of who was pulling the strings on this movie, they, they hold it for about eight seconds and they show you this effete British man who definitely is the bad guy. The mayor, governor, pope. Yeah, you mean Supreme Chancellor Palpatine? Yeah, they show him and it's like, oh, okay, well, they, they could have teased it a bit longer. It was two hours of a movie. He's very good at doing this, but he's very obviously the bad boy. More like Poopleteen, because he wipes his butt with seashells. <laughs> Papleteen, because he wears that white hat. Well, look, these future people, they don't touch each other. That might have something to do with it as well, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, the high fives were even, like, nonviolent. Uh, the no-touch high fives hit a little bit different in a post-pandemic world, though. Yeah. It's a little different. In that world, that just happened 10 years ago, so they're still pretty cautious. Didn't see any masks, though. But, like, what if he came out with a common cold that was, like, cured? I don't know. He He's a genetic nightmare, like a, just a bacterial. It's a bad system. Yeah, it's a super bad system. Yeah, that's what they say. If you go back in time now, you'd probably kill a lot of people just by bringing your advanced. And or die immediately. Right. Germs that you're not, you've never been exposed to. Smallpox 1.5. That'd fuck our shit right up. I wrote, like, Sub-Zero Cryostasis. It's such a cool sci-fi idea. It's like... Everything in this premise is perfect. And then like five seconds later, I'm like, wait, they're in L.A. One bad enough earthquake that knocks them off the grid and everybody in there is dead. Wait, there was one. Like one that happened in 2010, the big one? They would have all been dead. 
They're in pretty big blocks of ice, though. Them's as thick of always. Thick with three C's. We also get to see the most believable and best cop on the force, Rob Schneider. Because everybody knows that Rob Schneider and Sylvester Stallone are like peanut butter and jelly. We're going to see them again together in Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. We will for sure be covering that one. And then we see Ben Bratt with Sandra Bullock. And Ben Bratt and Sandra Bullock, they're like peanut butter and jelly. Because we'll see them in Miss Congeniality. Oh. Oh, wait. There's no comic. I was going to say, I don't think there's a comic release of Miss Congeniality. No. <laughs> and we're also introduced to the swear jar of the future. Anytime you swear, you get uh, one, credit. one credit fine. Or... If you're Wesley Snipes, the first time is a one credit fine. The second time they call the cops. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> that shit was bad. <laughs> that, maybe that's standard procedure. His second word was It was like, and then he said, oh, okay. His second word was So maybe that's why it was like bad enough. They were like, oh. Yeah, we have to call the cops on this guy. Like, we got to call the cops. I don't know, Dave. I think it's a bad look. For the San Angeles police. I, no, I agree completely. It's a bad I did look. not see a single person of color <laughs> no. up amongst like the upstairs people, as it were. <laughs> We've gone too far. We'll let people draw their own conclusions whenever I say only Wesley Snipes gets the fine and then immediate police call. Yeah, it was a, it was a swift one, too. <laughs> you draw your own conclusion. And these are some Alexa cops for sure. I really like the bit. The one cop is asking Alexa, basically, for all intents and purposes, how to subdue the prisoner. Maniac has responded with a scornful remark. Approach and repeat ultimatum in an even firmer tone of voice. Add the words or else. The Wesley Snipes improvs are on point. They are. Yes. And uh, especially when he's speaking Spanish at his parole. I thought that was really funny. Oh, that was a great moment. Oh, my that goodness. That was really cool. Translating everything that the warden was saying was improv. That's that's amazing. All of his quippy lines are just him just riffing. Even Simon says die. I imagine. I have to believe that. No, that was written. I don't know. His name is Simon Phoenix. That had to be written. That was definitely written. Oh, I also made a note that Wesley Snipes is dressed more like Dennis the Menace than Dennis the Menace was. Okay, so now that we're, we're talking about Simon Phoenix's overall look. Excellent, because I did want to bring up his dyed blonde hair. That was not a choice he wanted. The director or producer, somebody really wanted him to do that. And I could not help but be reminded of the Golden Lords from Meteor Man released the same year. I was going to say, make a meme that says, I'm going to tell my kids this was Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Funny you should say that. Dennis Rodman saw Demolition Man, went back, saw it again, and then dyed his hair because he thought it was so cool. That's phenomenal. And it is cool. Oh, that's great. Dennis Rodman dyed his hair blonde because of Demolition Man. This movie is important. And not just because of that. So after the cops are trying to detain Wesley Snipes, the music cues and the fight after that are so good. I've heard of beating the brakes off of someone, but not about beating the brake beats off of someone. <laughs> because every time he hits someone, it's like a like a record cut, like a scratch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can talk about some other things. Let's get the whole plot out of the way, because there's not a lot of plot to it. Emperor Palpatine, Dr. Cocteau. And Otho. <laughs> you read my mind. Otho. My man Otho does make an appearance. I was so excited to see him. Glenn Shaddock's. As associate Bob doing the fucking Lord's work. 
What a great niche he <laughs> occupied for like four movies. All right, let's do it. It's time for IMDb Corner. Let's see all the movies Glenn motherfucking Shaddix has been in, baby. He's Otho in all of them. I can name three right now. Beetlejuice, Heathers, Demolition Man. Oh, Heathers. I didn't know about Heathers, yeah. but yes, you are correct. Yeah. He's worked with Burton a lot, unsurprisingly. He's also in Nightmare Before Christmas. He's the mayor. He's also in Planet of the Apes as Senator Nado. And oh, Father Ripper. Is he play a priest? I caramba in Heathers. Priest, yeah. He's got a huge voiceover career, which is really great to see. Man, I'm about to put $5 down so we cover Heathers. I love that movie. Ah, Real Monsters, Bobby's World, Life with Louie, Dinosaurs. Yeah, he's all over this. He's great. More recently, comic related. And, oh boy, here's a fun thing. He's been in Teen Titans. He's been a a couple of characters. And more recently, he's died 12 years ago. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say he's in Carnival. Oh, no. (laughs) May he rest in peace. But he has not done anything more recently. You just ruined my yeah, William G. <laughs> William G. Scott. Rip, man. Born in 1952 in Bessemer, Alabama. Poor one out. He did do a stint on Jackie Chan Adventures. So that brings it. There you go. It's all tied together. <laughs> now we can move on. It's all tied together. Now we can go away from the sad death of Glenn Shaddix. Thank you, Sam. Or IMDb yes, in memoriam. Yes, it's yeah. a new segment. So, anyway. Okay. <laughs> now we get to the very funny bit where they've decided exactly what Sylvester Stallone says earlier, where you need a maniac to catch a maniac, and they're going to unfreeze John Spartan as well, who hilariously, as we said before, they're going to unfreeze him to do police work, and his parole was not up before Simon Phoenix's. That doesn't raise any <laughs> red flag with him. And I also wrote Naked Stallone is hilarious. <laughs> it's pretty good, and I'm wondering now if this is possibly some inspiration for Austin Powers. Could oh, be. maybe. It's basically the same fucking bit. They unfreeze this fool. He's a fish out of water. It does him all the things. This, the three seashells, a swear jar, all that. The first thing he does is go take a piss. <laughs> a comically <laughs> long piss. He gets his penis enlarger. It's all good. So you mentioned his early parole, Simon Phoenix. But he's been sprung for a specific purpose. And that purpose is to kill Edgar Friendly. He's a kind of revolutionary character that Dr. Cocteau can't take care of. He can't figure out how to solve. So he's got a killer. I would have loved a bit where every time they said Dr. Cocteau that they got a fine. <laughs> now you got to give good. yourself a fine or beep yourself. No, his, his, name. his name is Dr. Cocteau. should have done that. <laughs> well, he makes the rules. It's actually Dr. <laughs> Cocteau's voice that tells you to pay the fine. I'm pretty sure it's him or someone generically like him. But speaking of computer voices, Adrian Barbeau takes another stab at computer voices in this one. She voiced in The Thing, and yeah. With chainsaw arms. D-cups full of justice. (laughs) Anyone would want to be a Barbeau bot. You're right. (laughs) <laughs> with chainsaw arms. All right, well, make a note for Sam to pull that clip. They spring John Spartan. They thaw his ass out because they tried to capture Phoenix and it didn't go very well. No one stole his mojo while he was frozen, thank God, because he still got it. And, okay, is this the best Stallone has ever looked? Is this the peak? I mean... It's got to be. It's got to be peak. I think this is the, the peak because after this... That's when he has to start juicing. I think he's still all natural here because it's HGH after this. He looks fucking shredded. My man's like an upside down triangle. It's nuts. 
Cocteau told them, like, do everything in your power to get this madman. And he should have been more specific. It was do anything except for wake up somebody to get this guy because he didn't want them to. He obviously didn't think that they would think outside of the box this much. Outside of the bun. I mean, Liv Moss, obviously. Lena Huxley lives Moss, so she knew to think outside of the bun. Yo quiero Taco Bell. They're trying to track down Phoenix. He doesn't have like a low jack chip like everybody else has got. These days it would be a cell phone or your booster vaccine. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> My 5G signal still blows. Oh man, yeah, I can't get I still can't get a signal. So they have to track him and they can't figure out where he was going to be. Alexa says he's most likely to set up another drug ring, and that's what the chief believes, but They've got John Spartan, and he knows my dude's going to look for a gun. And the only place where they have guns is in a museum, in the Hall of Violence, ammunition. Where else are you going to dump your hormones? Very close by. Fully loaded, non-disabled firearms. Anyone could have thrown someone through that glass if this well, guy could. Talk about yeet. That is the absolute best yeet. When he picks that man up and flips and smashes him through the glass, that's my favorite part of the movie. That's when you get the mellow greetings. What seems to be your boggle? And then he says, how much do you weigh? He tosses him through the glass. It was so good. <laughs> well, he's so mad that he said boggle to my face. You say boggle to me? My boggle. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? There's a couple good bits, uh, and I'll drive, and then Stallone gets in, and he realizes he has no idea he's going to drive, and it's you drive. And then they listen to, like, hot dog commercials, which I'd love if we ended this episode by singing the hot dog jingle, but uh, I don't know if we're ready for that. How did they not get Oscar Mayer for Armor, this? Armor, hot dog. Armor? Armor, hot dog song? What the fuck is that? <laughs> right. I mean, I know it. <laughs> well, they honestly, they couldn't get too many people to sign on to this. The reason why it's Taco Bell, especially in 1993... I don't. I, I believe the Taco Bell went up in our neighborhood in nineteen ninety like six ninety seven somewhere in there. Yeah, that wasn't their first choice. They went to all the different franchises. That I'm I'm assuming McDonald's, Burger King, etc. And they all turned them down. And then they got to Taco Bell, and they're like, "Yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. We're Taco Bell. Have, do you know about us? This is when they're <laughs> selling weird. thirty cent tacos." Just buy like whole bags of them for like three bucks. When they came to when Taco Bell came to town in our little corner of the world, it sold thirty cent hard shell tacos and sixty cent soft shell tacos. You think the hard shells would be more expensive because of the grease applied to them? Well, soft shell tacos were very rare. No one had those. You didn't get a soft tortilla. You got the Ortega box, and that was it. So there's a Rambo reference, which I thought was good. I like that as well followed immediately by a Star Wars reference and a gigantic fight. The museum fight is very good. A well-choreographed fight with quips that were apparently ad-libbed by Snipes, which is so wild to me. Snipes is a huge martial arts practitioner, as we'll get to in, I believe, 98 when Blade hits theaters, which I'm very excited about. But I did see that there was a note on the interwebs that I came across that some of the fight scenes look clunky, which I didn't believe. I thought the choreography was very good. <laughs> but this might be some press hype stuff that they said that they had to ask Wesley Snipes to slow his moves down because they blurred on camera. And I was like, okay, would you though? I've seen Kung Fu movies. These fools move fast. Wicked fast. 
maybe they just had really shitty cameras then. I don't know. Cause... Right. Wesley Snipes being as slippery as he is, though, he does get away and he gets future Pope in his sights and realizes he can't shoot future Pope. And that's when we find out that Wesley Snipes is under future Pope's control. As expected. As expected. And then there's the incredible swear confusion bit for Huxley. Which I thought was weird because, as we'd said, she's seen all these 90s movies. So I'm going to cut in those right now. He's finally matched his meat. You really licked his ass. Let's go blow this guy. Unless they're all extremely TV edited. Oh, perhaps. Could be. I mean, I did grow up on the TV edits, all my action movies. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? This is what happens. That's from Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, when you fuck a man in the ass and when you find a stranger in the Alps. A stranger. It's still a stranger. You blank a stranger in the blank and it's you find a stranger in the Alps. I see. You see what happens, Larry? Funny TV edits. It's very good. I'll cut that in. I can find that one. I always love this trope where someone's trying to do, it's normally like an alien or like a someone who doesn't speak the language, not a native speaker, where they try to do tropes or idioms and get them just a little bit wrong. Or a Biff Tannen. Or a Biff Tannen type, yeah. Or a Doc from Fraggle Rock style. <laughs> Where you just, <laughs> just miss them by this much. And Sidra Book's got a ton of these, and they're very good. And honestly, I don't want to give Sly Stallone credit for this, but his reactions are pretty good. These are pretty good laugh lines, all of these. Mm-hmm. All his reactions to, blow me, no, blow away, man. oh, not, not, not like suck a dick or anything, man. You gotta, you gotta blow my way. Papeltine is, um, <laughs> now invites Spartan to Pizza Hut in our version, or Taco, Taco Bell, Bell, for dinner because he says that Spartan saved his life, and Spartan's like, I don't think I really did. I think I showed up. And, <laughs> did I, though? Yeah. So he just gaslights him, and then during this Pizza Hut dinner, he asked for salt. Salt's, he asked for cigarettes earlier. Salt's illegal. Cigarettes are illegal. Anything bad for you is illegal. Although you do need salt. I'm at least some. But maybe it's like whatever's in your food already. <laughs> yeah, that, salt is weird to me because like you for sure. Salt as an additive is illegal maybe. Okay. It's one of those things you, you just super You do need. just require it. But it's this 90s understanding of diets, which is always ever evolving. So It's 90s backlash. If they made this movie today, it would be gluten. Then it was salt. Yep. We come to see that uh, Dennis Leary's gang comes out and steals food. So I think that's when you're supposed to get the or have the instinct that it's more of a Robin Hood situation. He's not a bad guy. The subterranean man. Yes. He's graffitiing. He's not bad. He's just an asshole. It's not a, exactly a utopia. There are still people that are underserved. There's still people who are struggling. And yes, he, the scraps, as they call them, they wear tire armor, which is a lot of fun because there'd be a lot of tires. He fights some people here and he has a good quip where he says, you're going to regret this for the rest of your <laughs> life, both seconds of it. And then he like does a spin kick on him. Like that, like that yeah. would kill a man. I mean, might, yeah, he spin kicks a couple of, of, uh, of vigilantes who are, as he discovers, just trying to steal food. Before they're going to, to the Taco Bell, the combination Pizza Hut Taco Bell. They do mention Princess Seconds as TikToks, which is another kind of slightly prescient. Oh, there yeah, kind of prescient. The scraps raid the Taco Bell and they're trying to steal food and 
John Spartan's like, well, that's kind of fucked up. I was, I was having a lot of fun whooping these criminals, but they're just stealing food. If it was money, that'd be different. I could punch them good, but it's food. So now I feel bad. <laughs> but he is, he and Lena go back to her place and she's all wound up because of all the violence. That's literally what she says, which I understand, you know, like you feel your life's in danger. So you're, you're trying to live. And she's like, hey, you want a frick? He's like, yeah, of, of course. I do have a note here, and I believe this is a Sylvester Stallone line, but it is hunka chunka. I mean, bony, the, the wild mambo, the, the hunka chunka. It is no longer done. Some hunka chunka. And he's wearing that great silk gi. Whoa. Honestly, though, the fashions here, say what you will. I wish. That's 2032. I'd be so psyched in 10 years to be wearing a sleeveless four-layer kimono. He looked so comfy. Oh, my God. I'm in for it. Now, her dress seemed much worse. It was just like a bunch of jewels, parchment paper. a ton of, like, chain mail with beads. I thought it was seashells. I've eaten Taco Bell before. I say, you know, well, that makes sense. We've already established Lena Huxley lives fucking Moss. And she brings out her sex helmets. And you put one on and they put one on. Everybody knows about this. and Which I thought sex helmets so that later on when he finds out that's his daughter, it's not nearly as weird. Because they didn't really have sex. <laughs> okay. They just wore VR helmets still, of sex. Still well, weird. Well, this is a great scene. Oh, a super weird. <laughs> hey, hey, no tea, no shade. Uh, however you want to get down. I think Wait. this is great. No, 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 no. I love the helmet. The, the, I think it's fun for them. Oh, uh, oh, you mean, oh, no, I meant about the sex helmets. Oh, no, interfamilial. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I see. Yeah. I mean, if it's all pretend, it's fine. <laughs> Even if it's it has to be step if it's pretend. That's what I mean. I mean, if you're doing a bit, I'm, I'm not saying like, hey, I ain't trying to yuck nobody's yum. Except for that one in particular. That um, connotation. She gives him the sex helmet. He's not vibing per se. He's making good faces. She hands him a towel first. That's what I want to bring up. She comes out and hands him a discretionary towel because she doesn't have a discretionary towel. She's like, you're going to need this. Here you are. You'll know what to do with that. I thought that was such a great fucking detail. Her The little discretionary towel. The only two things I remembered about this movie from the first time I saw it was the sex helmets and the knitting. He's so despised that he learned, oh, I'm a seamstress. <laughs> I would love to wake up and be able to knit. <laughs> he tries to get a little sneaky smooch, and she's like, no, thank you, sir. But this is after she tells him, like, hey, no, we don't fuck around with fluid transfer anymore. And he's like, hey, but check out my lips, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he does have pretty good lips. I was a good kisser. He does feel bad. He feels bad, and he goes home, and he knits her a nice sweater. They gave him, like, a care package, and it contained his little subliminal training thing in some thread. And the way he was like setting himself up, I think Sylvester Sloan knows how to knit. At least the director knew how to knit and choreographed it well. Sly knows how to knit. I think though, he also got a video sext call to the wrong number just before he starts knitting. And yeah, um, do you think that's okay? Like as far as their society goes? I think that's fine. Or was she I, fine for calling the wrong person? No, I, nothing about, there's no nudity taboos. It's only physical interaction taboos. Okay. So I'd imagine the visual interaction and the video of it all, much like today, physical interaction is way down. 
but online interaction down is... but <laughs> that's what i'm talking about well, that's what everybody well, well. that's what everybody's yeah. talking about if we're being honest yeah but, really licked his ass <laughs> that's a quite a boggle Hey, no kiss, kiss, no bang, bang, my friend. <laughs> this movie predicted everything. Even kiss, kiss, bang, bang. <laughs> Who would have known? Robert Dunny Jr., Val Kilmer. <laughs> Do you know what you see if you look up the definition of an idiot in the dictionary? My face? Like, No, you'll find the definition of an idiot, which you're fucking being. <laughs> One of Val Kilmer's greatest performances, honestly. His, yeah, that and uh, Doc Holliday. And he could have just That's it. dined out on that for the rest of his life. Yeah, those two things. Shane Black did that one, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And actually, another comedy screenwriter, Fred Decker, did a bunch of uncredited rewrites on Demolition Man. Does that make us a triple Decker? Black and Decker. <laughs> we already did this one. Black and Decker? We did that one? Yeah, yeah we did we, Black we and did Decker. We did that one, yeah. This Monster oh, what Squad. Was the movie? Whatever one was Shane Black. We did a double Decker because there are two Decker movies in Halloween. But this yeah, makes so That's this why is, now yeah. we're at the triple Decker. Yes. So John Spartan's in on this. He's figured out. Cocteau's in on it. He tells Huxley that he could be really subtle. So what he does is he shows up in Cocteau's office and shoots all of his monitors. And then Otho passes out. Well, then how does he get to the real Cocteau? He's just there. Well, that's what it is, <laughs> I was about to ask so you that. So he shoots those things, and I think he must have turned his gun on Otho, like, show me his freaking office. And then but Otho passed out. And then we do. When he shot the camera. He's a detective. That's really what it is. John Spartan. Is a smash cut for us doesn't mean that he appeared right there. While the Palpatine, Popatine is monologuing, the papal John Spartan is able to get oh, the okay. drop on him and does threaten him with that weapon. And it's just a hunch, and he pulls a gun on him, which I think is pretty great. Well, he just says, but it's, it's just a cup thing, baby. You got a hunch. Well, he's got ball balls. He says that like 40 times. <laughs> Can we say? But like, as Dennis Leary was says, everyone... he's got ball balls. Yeah, he's got ball balls. Well, they do bring in joy, joy. Is everybody that's in that... I saw those ball balls. Cryostasis or whatever, are they all programmed not to kill Cocteau because he didn't do it? This is a question I had because they make a point to say no one has been killed in 16 years. How could that be possible unless everyone's programmed to not kill anyone? If you're both chipped, you can't kill that other chipped person. Because that's the only thing I could think of because Huxley's able to kill that other dude. Phoenix kills a bunch of people. Is he chipped though? I guess he is. I think it's just a societal thing. I mean, they don't even do cusses anymore. No one has done an MDK for 16 years. So it just hasn't occurred to anyone. As it is known and will forever be known. It's a 187. It's an MDK, a murder, death, kill. It's an MDK, murder, death, kill. As everyone has called it from all of time. But did you notice the man who is eventually able to kill Cocteau? Did you recognize him? He's a sexual tyrannosaur. That's your man from Predator. Phoenix can't kill Cocteau because he's been brainwashed, but that's the only reason why he can't mm -hmm. kill. People could kill, they just don't. You just have to believe it because of plot. Ever since the earthquake, it, it, no one's killed anybody. If it was 140 years. Well, it was six years after the earthquake, right? It was 2016. If it was 140 years, it would be so believable, but 36 years is not enough time for all this shit to go down. Exactly. Yeah, so if, if they said people are still alive, for Christ's sake, that's my biggest headline for this whole movie is not enough time has passed for the people to be this different. If 200 years in the future, you say no one's killed anyone in 15 years, I would say, yeah, maybe you have that. Or even like 115 years. Maybe you know that. But it needs to be 200 years at least. This is just America. Are we to assume that this society is global? That's my question. What happened after the big one? Because was California by itself? It's Jesse Ventura, by the way. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, the body. Jesse the body, yeah. Governor Jesse the body Ventura. The honorable. The world is different. Jesse the body plays one of the cryocons, which is what the Frozen boys are called. And then there's the scraps, which Jack Black makes an appearance in. I miss that also. Blink and you miss it. He like runs during the Taco Bell scene, the Taco Bell heist. He's like one of the guys that mm-hmm. like does a run up. I think he's got a line, but I'm not sure. So this is a good time period for Jack Black to start off. He's in this and then as a little spot and then Cable Guy. Can't be too Cable Guy's what, 97? 96. 96. Oh, wow. Early. But yeah, there's a huge battle. The cops, Benjamin Bratt, Lena Huxley, and John Spartan go down to meet the scraps. It's an under the street cute. <laughs> there we go. There we go. They eat some rat burgers. They hang they out. Rat meat burger. They have beer down here. You know, they're scrapping and scrawling. This is your like fallout zone. Everybody's wearing like tire armor and they all got guns and shit. The Utopia Elysium is upstairs having fucking helmet sex and stuff. These guys are down here scrapping, getting drunk. Having the real stuff. They're doing that. They're, they're, they're swapping <laughs> fluids. They're down butt. <laughs> Their joyous kind of moment doesn't last long. This is where we get our Dennis Leary rant, and he talks about- Joy joyous. He, he gets his joy joys yeah. about the ball balls and just talks about how he wants to smoke a cigar and eat bacon and stuff. And like rub jello on himself and run naked through the streets. Like, I don't think that's what we're fighting for. We're not fighting for the same thing, Dennis. <laughs> it is what you're fighting for if you're Anya Taylor-Joy in The Witch- because my man just wants to live deliciously. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to rub jelly on himself. He wants to eat bacon and smoke cigars. That's the same thing. She just wants to live her life. She just wants to float around. Maybe sometimes you have to mash up a baby and rub it on your skin. Uh, everybody's got to make sacrifices. I think that's a um, a different kind of movie. No, Dennis Leary <laughs> is living in that movie in this. Edgar Friendly. <laughs> He's had to smash up a baby. I'm not entirely convinced that they didn't just go to where Dennis Leary lives and turn the camera on. I think at this time frame, 1993, it's not much different, honestly. Yeah, he was living down there. My man has probably eaten a fucking rat burger. For sure. (laughs) But the cryocons find them out. Phoenix has been programmed to kill Edgar Friendly, so they do a little battle. And then we get a nice little chase scene here where they find a car in the underground and they... They do do a chase. Yeah, but what luck that uh, Simon Phoenix found his two targets underground, and there's that big battle. And my favorite, though, and the only reason why I wouldn't just get it right to the chase, is whenever that goes wrong, he literally yells, Everything's going wrong! <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> and then just zips out. Woo! <laughs> yeah, everything's gone wrong. And he just hops into Huxley's car. When he brings the old mobile up, that old muscle car, felt like a very okay boomer kind of thing like everything they did in the past was definitely right and everything they're doing now in the future is definitely wrong and i i don't think that's what i got from that i kind of did i kind of got an okay boomer moment at that point i don't know i think old cars can still be cool but, yeah that's true you know but like we said earlier he doesn't have an arc nothing for sliced alone changes if everybody does it his way it's the way to bring society back this isn't entirely true well i don't think he has to stop thinking muscle cars are cool I mean, I'm with you. I agree with you, but also I think the muscle car is fine. It was like an eye roll moment for me, though. I I thought it was a cool car. Hear me out. Not much of an arc, but he does start knitting. He does try to learn the new vehicle. He says, I'm going to have to learn this eventually. So, you know, just show me how this goes. And to great effect, because he has to then use that car. His arc as it relates to Lena is actually pretty good. 
but that's the only arc there is. Paternal arc. Uh, it surprises me that any of these cars is drivable just by anyone in this future. There's lots of questions. Everything's got to be like eye re- facial recognition stuff. You can't just like hop into somebody's car. This is a utopia. I mean, except that they don't expect anyone to steal anything. I think that's the only thing. But they do have the scraps that are living underground. Why wouldn't they come up with the technology for that? Because they haven't had to think creatively because Lena figures out that they can track the car he's stolen and she's the only one. Mm-hmm. And she's just like some fucking, you know, Joe on on the street, basically. She's the loon and she's the only one that quote unquote knows how to think. If not for her, the chancellor's fucking, nothing's not the chancellor. Dr. Cocteau's plan would have went off perfectly. The doctor, governor, mayor, (laughs) evil planning man would have certainly figured it out. If not for Lena, everybody else would just follow whatever the computer that he designed basically would have told them to do. And the computer would have told them whatever he wanted the computer to tell him to do. There's a chase scene. Then they eventually go back to the cryo prison. And then they finally have their final duel. What I did like is Wesley Snipes is trying to pick out folks from this cryo frozen area to be on his gang. And he's like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer. I love that guy. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, Jeffrey Dahmer got moved from a regular old prison to the cryo freeze in three years time. That's a weird pull. That's like a right of all the people like the whatever. We find out that not unlike Sylvester Stallone, John Spartan loves a good beret. He does good beret work. He had a beret, I think, in the beginning So he gets his bray back and he needs to stop these people from unfreezing all of the villains in the world. But the solution is not much better (laughs) because he doesn't want to free them, but he's okay with what probably culminated in all of their deaths. Most definitely. He doesn't do a whole lot to cause the building to blow up. It's mostly Simon Phoenix. He's Mm -hmm. fucking with like the laser beam and haphazardly doing things. Just shooting willy nilly. So there there is a big showdown. And at at the end of it, and I have written here that I'm pretty sure there's a not joke. Wesley Snipes says, I'll see you in hell. And I think that Sylvester Stallone says, not. (laughs) Yeah, he does. He does. I have it written down also. (laughs) Not. You won't see me in hell. And then he freezes him. And guys, the decapitation effect. Oh, he, oh, so he freezes good. him immediately, kicks his head off. It was clean as hell, straight out of Mortal Kombat. I thought the freezing looked really bad. Oh man, I thought it was great. When they got to the frozen body and then like the, the actual murder, it looked really good. Yes, the freezing itself was kind of CG. It was like a great lightsaber effect, and then kind of a weird freezing technique, and it was fine. But when he does, he just swings back around and kicks his head off. His body shatters and his head falls on the ground. But when it shatters, there's also blood that comes out. The bloody slush. Ah, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I think that's that's great. I think it looks a little deep sea nine while he's freezing. But the actual kill itself is quite good. Oh, yeah. It definitely made up for the overly CG part. He wins because he killed every bad guy that's ever been locked up. The building explodes. Everybody inside dies. And he finally gets to do a kiss. And then he gets to say, I think I'm going to like the future. Now, I need to know the time frame of this movie. How many days has he been awake? Because he just found out that his wife is dead and he'll never talk to his daughter again. And then all it took was one kiss for him to like the future. And if it's, it only felt like a day or two. You've had butterflies before, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> what what tops that feeling it's two days it's two days we see him go to sleep one time 
and then that's it. Major corporations give you longer bereavement than two days when someone close well, to you Hey, goes. you know, it's intrinsically just... linked life and death. You know, they went through a lot of harrowing experiences. I won't blame someone for love. What I will blame is, I think that age gap's a little funky, but like, you know, it's fine. Now, when it's we're considering fine. the age gap, are we considering the plus 36 years he was frozen? Not that he's 72, but that he is. She says she's like 74. Okay, well, I guess that's fine then. That's only a couple year age gap then. Yeah, okay. All right. That's not too much worse. I'm thinking of his real actual age as an actor where he's like 47 or something. No, he's older than that. He's like 52. Jesus. Yeah, okay. Well, but still, it's a movie. Well, how old is he? Is he my here to click clack and figure that out for me? Mm-hmm. 75. He's 75 now? Mm-hmm. Okay. And this movie came out in 93? So 28 years ago, he was... Sandra Bullock is 64 when she was born. <laughs> she was 64 when she was born? It was a real Benjamin Button situation. This is like a <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Button. I knew it. <laughs> She looked great. I'll say that. Sandra Bullock's 57. So 20 years. Okay, that's not bad for Hollywood. That's fine. I guess. That's fine. I think it is a little bit weird that he takes that loss and grief in stride pretty quickly. But you know what? He just almost died. He vanquished his mortal enemy, and he's also been unfrozen. Now, is he going to get refrozen? Is he just free now? He should, but he probably won't. That was the idea, but he won't. They broke the freezing thing. He blew it up. Oh, that's right. There's no more cryo prison. That solves that problem. Mm, Interesting. Convenient for him. Yeah, very convenient. But at the very end of the movie, Otho, who has aligned himself with whoever was the leader, he was first, it was the Popentine, then it was Phoenix, and now he walks away with Edgar Friendly, Dennis Leary character. Does that mean that Edgar Friendly is now in charge? Yeah, he's the president now. Yeah. He's definitely the president of San Fran. San Frangelis. San Angeles. San Frangela. San Angeles. Whatever. Which actually was the original name for the city in Blade Runner. IMDb. Trailwheel. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty much it. That's it. Roll credits. Then Sting sings a very bad version of the song Demolition Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very bad. Not even his original version of the song Demolition Man. They put in like a 90s hip rock beat behind it. And it sounds like a joke song, honestly. If I'm being honest, it sounds like a joke song. It definitely does. But that's it. Demolition Man. Okay, now let's step into the comic conversions. We're talking about Demolition Man, there was a comic that was an adaptation of the movie Demolition Man that was put out. So how many times has this happened on the podcast now? So there was Dark Man, where we watched Dark Man, and then they do the comic comes out after the movie. That came out simultaneous. Was the other one, then Meteor Man. The comic came out mm-hmm. after for Meteor Man. Demolition Man, it was came out at the exact same time. It came out in... 1993 it's based on the movie it goes through basically the plot of the movie and the characters simon phoenix and john spartan look like sylvester stallone and wesley snipes simon phoenix character it's not too bad it is extremely rare because it i don't believe it sold very well i i was looking at ways to buy it and on amazon there is a version available for uh over six hundred dollars if you were interested 
in that four-issue run of Demolition Man, the comic. I'm a pass. <laughs> this probably wise. Now, that's not the only Demolition Man that exists in comics. Probably the more well-known Demolition Man is the character Demolition Man, who kind of looks like a slapdash Wolverine. There's a Marvel character named Dennis Dumphy, who received his superpowers from the Power Broker, who should be making an appearance in the MCU now is Sharon Carter is the new power broker in the MCU. So hopefully mm-hmm. maybe maybe we may see a demolition man in the uh, Disney Plus series. But Dennis Dunphy, he's wearing the bottom half of his costume in his original design is Daredevil and has a big D on it for demolition man. And the faceplate looks like Wolverine's brown costume and both parts kind of a ripoff, but in canon. So he's actively ripping off those other superheroes as his own superhero persona. He's had a bunch of um, story arcs. He's worked with Steve Rogers a lot and a couple other things. He was in civil wars, but he's just basically a strong guy. So that is Marvel comics demolition man. So a couple of different demolition men. It's a, a true comic convergence. This movie did pretty well. It was budgeted at fifty-seven million. I'm seeing opening weekend was fourteen, and the final gross was a cool fifty-eight. So it did pretty well for an October release. Honestly, you think it's more of a summer, but it did pretty well critically on Rotten Tomatoes. We got a sixty-two percent, and the audience scored a little bit higher with a sixty-six percent. Pretty well remembered from what I can tell, and you know it. It's got a cool little setup there. Now, I think it's about time we move into our penultimate segment where we decide who's our favorite and least favorite or who's our favorite at being the least favorite. It's who's your hero, who's your villain. No matter which version you watched, this will make sense to you because my hero is the Kentucky-based Yum Brands for weathering the accursed franchise wars against the bloody campaign of the despot tyrannical dictator ronald mcdonald who <laughs> led the uprising in 2011 uh-huh you know after the big one he used that opportunity to try to seize control of the remaining beef farms which right. ultimately led to the great bovine extinction of 2014 wow and then so you're saying they repackaged everyone's a vegetarian because because they got no force. choice it's rats or nothing okay. baby <laughs> thanks ron <laughs> Well, if anyone was going to cause the famine, it would be the grim specter of Ronald McDonald himself. It wouldn't be grimace. The grimace specter. Yeah. Nicely done, gentlemen. Cut from the same cloth. Not the better cloth, which is my other hero, is whoever picked the wardrobe for Wesley Snipes. Mm -hmm. That striped cloth. Even odds that those are just his actual clothes and he just came to... For sure. And I hope he still wears them. (laughs) Big Lebowski style. He just showed up in that shit. My hero is Lena Huxley. She is ready to jump in with vigilante-style justice compared to what other police officers do anyway. Instantly. The second something happened that she didn't know what it was, she was ready to jump into action. Though she didn't know what the action was going to be, she was there to fight crime. That's Dave, a plus one for vigilante cops. Yeah, plus one. No, that's a... No, no, no. Uh, no, because he's not the one, she's not the one that called the cops on Phoenix. Let's run it back where you she said you, 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 she's your hero because of her vigilantism. 
well, she was ready to play, is what it was in this in this already pro cop movie, in this already pro cop universe. You can't. The cops don't do anything in this movie. She well, would like to. She wanted some action, and she got it. She wasn't someone who wanted action and then cowered afterward. She wanted action. She's like, well, shit, I wish for this. I, I better. And she killed a guy. She did. She stepped up. She killed a man. I better kill a mm-hmm. guy. I better do a murder. And she did it. She did her murder. She stood up and did her policely duty, which is shooting a man. Of murdering <laughs> she, criminals. I'm, it's it's, it's number one, I think. In this universe, she had to do her murder. To serve, protect, but first, kill. Indeed. I think my hero, I'm going to pick Zachariah Lamb, erstwhile helicopter pilot and desk jockey, whose idea it actually was to resurrect John Spartan because it was his idea to it was his framing of that that it, Phoenix is an or an old fashioned criminal so you need an old fashioned cop Zachariah Lamb great guy I love that actor Bill Cobbs Grand L Bush it's it's Bill Cobbs oh that's the young one he's the pilot well let me scroll down a little bit farther and find Zachariah Lamb aged because you don't believe me it's Bill Cobbs. Bill Cobbs, celebrated character <laughs> actor. I can't believe you remembered Bill that. Yeah. Cobbs. I mean, it's a good pull. I mean, good on you. Mm-hmm. So nice. Oh, you know what? He had a killer run on the Drew Carey show. Stony. <laughs> this is the guy you love. I love Bill Cobbs. Great story career. <laughs> Drew Carey show. Michael Richards show. Touched by an angel. Oh. Walker, Texas Rainer as Gino Costa. In one episode. <laughs> yep, that was one episode. Would love that. He's yeah. <laughs> storied. Oh, designing women. He was Henry and he or was, Charlie. He was Bill Women. Bill Women. And designing women. Ain't nothing but a sandwich. He's a bartender in 1977. <laughs> Classic roles. So anyway, my, my villain is... No, wait, uh, wait, doesn't it go like... For another hour? The person who had the Probably. last... No, well, yeah, but... The person who did the last hero gets to do the first villain. That's how we've. I don't think there's any form to this, but go ahead. Oh, that's just ha- hey, that's the way hey, it Dave. had been going. I don't hey, know Dave, what to tell you. Go ahead, bud. But it's no, me. but it it's Reed's turn. He did the. Oh yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna do a nice and easy one. I had to stop him from his Bill Cobb's psychopathic <laughs> tirade. You know, I was just I I get all wrapped up when I'm thinking about Bill Cobb's. I get all tied up. One of your favorite actors. You always say. I always say <laughs> when he was sort of uh, touched by an angel. That really touched me. Yeah. By an angel. Yeah. Angelically. He was, yeah. Bill Cobbs. I love that guy. Who your villain? Bill Cobbsby. Bill Cobbsby. He was played Zachariah Lamb, and I love that part. The villain that I would choose for this episode, well, this for this movie, for this episode of the movie, would probably be the police chief who really was poo-poo and everything, but he had no ideas. He just hated everything that Spartan did. And he had double glasses. I don't know what that was all about. Everybody kept calling John Spartan like Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal. And like, I mean, they're like an enlightened culture, but they're really ready to poop all over him, which I thought was... That would be like me saying that Charlie Chaplin was a Neanderthal. Like, it's not that long ago. yeah. 36 years. It's nuts. This is insane. And actually, not not even. Probably someone far more recent. It's like you calling... Uh, Bill Cobbs. Robert Downey Jr., who played Charlie Chaplin in, in Neanderthal. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dr. Cocteau is the same age as John Spartan would be. 
actually probably the chief is the same is pretty close he's probably 65 maybe give or take five years younger than that dude i mean even if you say that maybe he looks older and he's like 45 like he was not too far removed i mean he lived through the big one in 2010 and this probably exists it's crazy bro magnum said <laughs> a crow magnum that's pretty good i dig it i saw that hog it was a magnum for sure <laughs> my villain's rob schneider's character this shit makes fun of coma victims i can't stand this guy does he he's like he just yeah he's like you don't even know the three seashells like this guy's been in a coma for 36 years yeah he's just making copies the tomster making copies mr tom your villain should be rob schneider overall because he tried to talk sandra bullock out of taking her role in speed he was like Whoa. that movie's not gonna go anywhere so screw that guy also he chose to be in the animal yeah, he did make that. <laughs> I mean, his career, he made some stellar choices. Come on. My villain is the person who invented the three shells. <laughs> or the people who sell the three shells down by the seashore. I assume Sally sells three shells down by the seashore, and therefore Sally is my villain. Very good. I dig it. Regardless of how you wipe your ass, let us know how you, <laughs> what you thought about this movie. <laughs> Uh, guys, if if folks listening haven't seen this movie, would you suggest they give her a watch? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. This is a great movie. The references are all wrong. The retrofuturism is all wrong, but in the best possible way. It, this movie's great. I agree with that as well. This is a really easy to watch action movie, especially if you like action movies and maybe someone is like less into that. There's a lot for everyone to love here. This is really a four quadrant kind of movie. It's funny. The action is good, but it's not too action heavy. There's lots of quips. I think this is an overall just a great movie. It's a lot of fun. It's stupid, but in a way that's quite endearing. In the way that I am also stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's stupid in the way that we all are. Yeah. Yes. This is our perfect range of stupid. Let us know what you thought. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably you've you've probably run through this like once or twice. So let us know what you think of Demolition Man. Also, thank you so much for listening. Please remember to uh, rate, review, and subscribe. A special thank you to our subscribers, Megan and Steve. They are helping us keep the lights on and, you know, keeping our software up to date, so to speak. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to join the uh, legendary ranks, we're going to have to find a name. We're going to have to find a special name because we've got the dirty nerdies out there. And then we've got our extra special somethings. Our sexy plexis, I think is what we... Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) That was one that came up earlier in the pod. Well, if you'd like to join the rank of the... I don't know. It feels weird. It feels no, weird. I don't, I don't like it. I don't... <laughs> if you'd like to give us some money, head on over to nerdaplexy.com and uh, we'll do an episode in your honor or, you know, we'll talk about whatever you want. You just let us know. Hit us up at nerdaplexypod on Twitter and if you'd like to make that public or slide into our DMs, and you'll be speaking to Dave. Hit me up at the face of Dave. I also, I do want to know uh, what comic trades you want to hear 
for our mini episodes for our trade of the month. Uh, again, you can hit, hit me up at NerdFlexiPod. You can slide into my DMs there, or you can hit me up at the face of Dave. Yes. Sounds really sexy when you say that. Thank you. Slide right in, baby. Ooh, yeah. Also, check him on Twitch. You can see him while he plays video games. Oh, yeah. He's a Minecraft boy. Um, also, yeah, we, we are be doing... We are be doing... We will be doing some more comic book content, so check out the mini episodes to find out what the next issue will be. Sam is at PGH underscore SVH. I am at PGH underscore read on Twitter. Hit us up. Uh, let us know what's going on. Or just say, hey, what's up? Uh, join us next time for a mini episode. And the time after that, the next movie we'll be watching is Adam's Family Values. So be sure to check that out and stick around. Until we meet again, we here at Nerdoplexy would like to leave you with this thought to ponder hot dogs armor hot dogs what kind of kids eat armor hot dogs even kids with chicken pox love armor hot dogs the dogs kids love to bite oh god 